We can practically count the number of cities in the Midwest on two hands, but are unsure when the rural towns start and stop. And with the tradition of slow-paced living, this region of the U.S. is often behind months, if not years, on trends. Whether it's the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the way we date, or how we spend our free time, we're here to dive into it all. Welcome to Hopefully, the podcast where three lifelong best friends sit down and catch up on each other's lives while also dishing on the latest trends in fashion, beauty, skincare, lifestyle, fitness, food, my favorite, travel, and more. We'll share our biggest dreams and darkest secrets, how we've overcome our fears and found confidence, our tips and tricks and trials and errors, and real life relatable stories. We want to help you feel confident in your own skin. To inspire you. We want you to lead a happier, healthier, easier, and more confident life. And hopefully, you do too. Get it? Straight to the point. A little sassy, but always real. Welcome to Hopefully. Welcome to Hopefully. Welcome to Hopefully. Welcome. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> wow, I feel like this is one of our most anticipated interviews podcast episodes with the one the only this is me practicing for <laughs> I was just our future of it should have bought the money gun the one the only chloe elise of deeper than money <laughs> thanks for having me i uh, the only thing we're missing is the the song yeah like, that's really it yeah. and then <laughs> and then it'd be like fine <laughs> Well, this is, I think, our second interview, so, you know, we're getting the hang of it, getting the flow of it, but today we're talking to one of my best friends, Chloe, so we're just going to jump right in. Chloe, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, like, whatever? For sure, for sure. So, my name's Chloe. I live in Kansas City. I am Bree's roommate. Just kidding, but I, I basically am. Um, I own a financial literacy company. So we work primarily with it, like this weird, like millennials and Gen Z. There needs to be like a name for the two of them. Like there's no good name for people in their 20s and 30s. You know, like mm-hmm. what's, it's like I, millennial changes, you know, like in mm-hmm. 10 years, millennial will be older. It's like 20s and 30s. But that demographic to really help women primarily gain financial confidence so they can have more confidence in their day-to-day lives. So we're on a mission to just make financial literacy fun and a topic that everybody talks about at brunch. I love it. I think what I love when you tell this story and I know that it resonates with a lot of people that might not even realize that they have a negative relationship with money or, you know, are struggling with money. But tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into this realm of work. Yeah, for sure. So I knew the only thing I knew about money growing up was that you weren't supposed to talk about it. That's like all I knew. I knew that my friends had more money than I did or than my parents did. But that's all I knew. And I knew it was like not something you ask other people about, not something I asked my parents about. So I was just like, okay, cool. You ignore money. Like that's all I knew about it. And so, but I also knew you worked really, really hard to make it. Those were like the only two things I knew about money. So I had my first job at like 13 years old. And from then up until like throughout high school, throughout college, I worked really hard. I worked all the time. That was all I did. And, but no matter how much money I made, I spent it all. So I had nothing all the time. So I'd work really hard, had nothing to show for it. And then I'd do it again. And then I'd do it again. But nobody, I, I knew not to talk about it either. So I just thought that was like my reality. And that went on for a while, went on through all of college. I mean, in college, I was like literally donating plasma just to like buy jumbo margaritas. That was yep. like my- <laughs> was right there with you. It's <laughs> like, that's all I did. And I would swipe my debit card until it got declined. And then I would just like, I'd be at the grocery store, literally checking out my debit card would get declined. And I'd be like, oh no, I left my other card in the car. And then I would just leave. Cause I'd be like, I, I don't have money on it. Like I just literally would use it until it declined. So I was not the girl who's good with money by any means, but my junior year of college, I kind of like had this breakthrough. I was going through a breakup and, you know, you want to like cut your hair and like be different and like do all these things. And I felt so out of control. I was like the one thing that I just, if I could just figure out like money, I feel like I'd have more control. I don't know why it was money. I have no idea why, but I started listening to books, listening to podcasts, listening to anything I get my hands on about money 
And it was all for like old people. It was all boring. It was like, here's how to refinance your mortgage. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) And so through the struggle, I basically learned how to get ahead with money. I paid off $36,000 of debt in 18 months at 21 and it changed everything for me. And I was like, if me, the girl who literally a year ago was donating plasma to get a margarita, if I can be here, I can show anyone else how to do this too. So that's really where it came from um, and where my mission came from. And then at that point, I felt so hard and so fast in love with entrepreneurship that it was like game over. It was, it was game over. And I can, I'm, I'm screwed. I could never work, do anything else in entrepreneurship, like ever again, ever again. Boss ass bitch. It's amazing. But before you dove into deeper than money, like what did you do to get to creating and manifesting your dreams and creating deeper than money? What were the steps you took? Totally. So I think the first thing was I got really, really clear on what that looks like. I mean, I'm very big on manifestation, but it, it also had a lot of action attached to it. Um, one of my favorite exercises ever, I still do, do this to this day, but I would sit down and I would write out my perfect day in like my dream world, but an ordinary day. Not like, oh, I'm on a beach in Mexico, like drinking margaritas, but like a Monday morning. Like, what does it look like? When do I wake up? What am I doing? Like all that stuff. And I'd write it out. And then I would look at that list and be like, okay, how can I work for one of those things? Like, how can I work towards one of those things? I know it sounds so silly, but at the time, I, when I wrote this out, I realized that the first thing I wrote was I worked out in the morning. And I always worked out at night. I always worked out at night. And I was like, why do I have to like wait for like my dream reality to start doing some of these things? I can do this right now. So I started like implementing some of these like daily practices. And all of a sudden I started realizing, wait, this is like a little closer to that dream life. And it was this like huge epiphany for me where I was like, what if I just literally wrote out my entire dream life, my business, my dream this. And then I just started like investing myself to figure out how to do it. So that's literally what I did. I would write out, I own a business and I work for myself. And one of my big dreams at the time then was also I hired my mom full time. So I wrote that down. And then I, I'm not kidding. I would Google like, how do you work for yourself and own a company? And then people would come up, like people would come up and then I would Google them. I would DM them on Instagram and say, can I pay you to teach me how to do what you did? And then I'd hire them. And then literally they would teach me how to do it. I would follow all of their things. I'd get results. And then if I outgrew their program, I'd find somebody else. I'd say, I want you to teach me how you did that. I'd pay them and I would like learn how to do it. And it sounds so simple, but like my two things are like, you have to be called and you have to be qualified. And like, I was called, like, I was like, God has like so places on my heart. I like have to do this. But then also I was like, I'm not just going to show up and be like, oh yeah, I I can do this. I can handle people's money. It's like, no, I had to go and like learn. And so I went and just got all these qualifications and I'm very big on like continued learning. I'm always, you know, going and like doing more and stuff so I can be a better mentor and educator and all of these things. But the, the two of those mixed with just like this kind of like naive belief that I could figure it out. Like that was literally the winning formula for me. It's the best formula, right? I mean, it's like, it's like what you've taught me when it comes to entrepreneurship, like the entrepreneurship bug is a real thing. And you just have to like reach out to people Mm -hmm. to who've done it and who've gone there. Like I rely on you so often when it comes to, you know, building my dream currently and manifesting it and Like I've been through your program, so I could sit here and talk about it all day and how it totally changed my relationship with money. I think, you know, you were talking about writing down what your dream day, dream life looks like. And I think it wasn't until I did um, the Wealth Accelerator that I didn't realize how stressful like going grocery shopping was for me or, you know, just going to dinner with my friends, even though I had a really good income. And had enough money. It was so stressful. And it's truly something I don't even think twice about anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I, I just don't worry. And it's, it's crazy. Your programs like, well, and onto that too. I remember when you were going through that program and like at the beginning, I specifically remember conversations that you and I had and you're like, I think I have a great relationship with money. Like I know how to save. I know, you know, what I'm spending and where I'm spending. And then I don't even know if it was two or 
three classes in, I want to say it was closer to like after the first or second class. And you were just like, Kayla, you need to eventually do this class <laughs> because it is is life changing. And I mean, it, it is true. And I've talked to Brianna so many times about you and like what you've done just to like dig deeper into it. Because a couple weeks ago, or a little while ago, you brought up investing. And I told both the girls, I was like, my goal for 2021 is to invest, like learn how to do it, be kick ass at it. And just like sit back and watch something grow. And so kind of veering mm-hmm. off from that with deeper than many, and you talk about your programs, what all do you offer with your programs and like your one-on-one? You know, all of our programs are built around something financial, right? Like how to pay off debt or how to get on the same page as your partner with money or like wealth accelerator. Wealth accelerator is like our big kahuna of like, you want to transform everything. Like that's wealth accelerator. And even though through all of our, the, you know, the different offers we have, all of them are based around some sort of financial anchor of like, here's how to do this thing financially. All of it has this like deeper than money reasoning behind it. Um, I tell my clients all the time, like, I don't give a shit about what's in your bank account. I don't care. Are you happier? Do you have more freedom? Are you closer to who you want to be than you were last week? That's what I care about. Um, I have a lot of clients who, you know, they'll get a couple weeks into the program and they're like, oh my gosh, I just paid off this credit card. I have this emergency fund. I just did this. And, you know, they're like so excited. And then all of a sudden this like, this thing hits and they're like, but I'm behind. I should have started sooner. I, I, I could be going faster. I could be paying up more debt. I could be doing this. And there's like this overwhelming sense of like, I'm not doing enough. I could be farther along. These money goals are going to take forever. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, and it, for example, uh, this just recently happened last week. I had a client who she's like, I'm so behind. And so I've, I've been picking up all this overtime at work. And I'm like, I'm just so stressed out. And I feel like I have like no time, like no freedom. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's break this down. What's the goal? She's like, the goal is to be debt free. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so what are you doing to get that goal? She's like, I'm working so much overtime, working all the time. I'm like, okay, cool. You're working more overtime to get more money to pay, be debt free. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. So why do you want to be debt free? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why do you want to be debt free? She's like, so I can be debt free. I'm like, cool. Why does that matter? Why does it matter? And she's like, well, I want to be debt free so I can have freedom. I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. You're giving up freedom now. You're working all the overtime. You're pushing yourself so hard. You're so stressed. You're so overwhelmed right now. And you have no freedom in an effort to get freedom. Like that's your plan, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Because the whole goal isn't debt-free. The goal isn't money in your bank account. The goal isn't this. The goal is that that is a tool to help you get freedom, to help you get all those other things. And if you can experience more freedom, more happiness, more of that now, you're allowed to take that. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to have that piece of freedom and say, no, I don't, I'm not going to work overtime. I choose the freedom tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what I choose. That's what I value. And I, even though, you know, okay, I'm going to be debt free a week later. Like who cares? Like, why does that matter to you? You know? So I know that was kind of like a veer off way of answering it, but I think that's kind of like the misconception about a lot of the programs that we offer at deeper than money is for sure. I'm going to show you how to pay off debt, but I'm going to show you how to enjoy paying off debt. And I'm going to show you how to be happy on your way to paying off debt instead of feeling unfulfilled, overwhelmed, and behind the entire Mm -hmm. time. I think that's a perfect example of how your business differentiates from other financial programs and businesses that are so focused on paying off debt because we are just in the society where you, for the most part, have to go into some level of debt to become an adult, but then you have to struggle to figure out how to pay it off and you are not deemed successful until you do so. And that is like such a demeaning and downputting way to live your life. Like you miss out on so much. And then, mm-hmm. so you have people who are so far into debt and think that the only way to be happy is to not have the debt. And then you have people who have thousands and thousands of dollars in their bank account, but are scared to spend it because they've been told that it has to sit there, which like to some degree, yeah, you want to save money. You want to have these nest funds to do fun things when you're retired or whatever, but like, what for what literally for what exactly and, and for what like that's what I tell us like in those examples all the time like you know when a client's working overtime just burning out all this stuff I'm like listen you're gonna be a multi-million millionaire at retirement like you will die with money in the bank 
Like, are you going to look back and be like, thank God I'm dying with this much money because I, you know, worked an extra overshift in my 20s? Like, no, you're not going to think that. And so I think there's just this like the the kind of norm in the financial industry is that discipline and sacrifice is how you win with money. Like, right. that's it. That's how you win with money. And I like, I'm like, er, no, that's not true. That doesn't have to be how you win with money. You can win with money by loving yourself wealthy instead of hating yourself wealthy, right? Like so often that's what sacrifice feels like. I have to give up the things I care about. I have to give up these things in order to have, you know, money. And it's like, in my opinion, that just ends up either way, putting you into this position where you idolize money or you idolize frugality. And either way, the focus is on money and not about your life and the things you care about and the thing, you know, your family, your friends, like that stuff, like that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting way to think about it. I've never, I'm, I up until now was a hundred percent the person because with Corey um, and us becoming once we're married, um, we'll have debt that we have together. And I've always thought, oh, we'll just live frugally until we can completely pay that off. But that's an interesting perspective. Like why live frugally when you have money in the bank? Like you can pay off debt and still enjoy life. Totally. Totally. And and it's I love the like frugality conversation because I, I mean, I'm very big on like just questioning like all these norms about money, right? Like if you were like Chloe cute shirt and I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. It was five thousand dollars. You'd be like, okay, bitch, like that's so rude. And like that's so disrespectful. But if you were like Chloe, I love your shirt, and I was like, oh my God, it was fifteen dollars right? That's so socially acceptable. You'd be like, yes, that's so cool. Right. Because in our society, we're taught that like idolizing frugality is okay. But if you, but idolizing money on the other side is not okay. You know, you're greedy or you're selfish. If I tell you, if I'm excited about my $5,000 shirt, but if I'm excited about my $15 shirt, like, oh, she's frugal. Yes. Right. And so again, and I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to say that, but it's just, it just makes you question like, oh, that's so weird how some things are on money we're okay with. And some things are on money are just like so taboo and we have to stay away from them. And so it's just fun to question that stuff. Well, and with questioning it too. So when you got into this, did you find it hard when you got clients to open them up to discuss money? Because I think a lot of people's relationship with money is like you said, you don't talk about it. You don't ask about it. Like, it's just, you know, how much you have in the bank account and that's that. So was there a barrier that you had to break down? And is there a barrier you have to break down with your clients to open up that um, pathway to talk about their finances? And onto that too, sorry, it's kind of a loaded question, but how do you recommend that they open it up in a relationship to talk about it financially? The, the biggest thing is I do a lot of that front facing, right? Like someone won't join my program until they're ready to be open about it. And so that's why, I mean, for a lot of, I, I do a lot of things to try to push this out. A lot of it is just transparency. Like I'm very open about what's in my bank account, what I've invested, what I spend on things. Um, even the, the trip to Salt Lake City, I made a podcast on here's how much I spent on this trip because people let their nosy, right? They're like, yes, I want to know that. And my goal for it is that people are like, wow, she's so open about it. That makes me feel more comfortable talking about it or being open with it. And the number one thing I've learned is that the reason people are open is one, the beliefs they've been taught, like don't talk about money. But number two is the guilt and shame they have about where they're at. And so much of it is, you know, I, I hear this, <laughs> like, it's, it's surprising when I don't hear this from a client where they'll be like, man, like I'm so screwed up. I don't know if you can help me or like, I'm so far. I I've dug myself in such a hole. Like I, I I'm not going to get out. And, and every single time it's like, I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, this is nothing. Let's do this. But it, it's that guilt and shame and getting past that. And when you're carrying that guilt and shame around all the time with money, it's so freaking heavy. It's so heavy. And so then when you open up about money, the conversations are heavy. The conversations come with guilt and shame. And so you're coming to this conversation saying, well, if I'm going to open up about this, I'm admitting that I am a failure. I'm admitting that I fell short. I'm admitting that I put on this face for everybody else. I call it like your societal worth. Like I bought all this stuff to you know, look cool on Instagram. And so my friends thought I was wealthy, but behind the scenes, I'm not behind the scenes. I'm struggling. And I have to admit that. And so that's really hard for people. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest thing we do is just really, especially in like wealth accelerator, 
we one really challenge people to be open and honest because there's other people who are in the exact same position and that's really validating. Um, and also we do not let guilt and shame in the program. Like we tell people that like, it is not welcome here. If you're feeling that, you know, let's, let's talk through it. Like, well, what's the truth behind it? So that's number one. Um, and then it very, it's very similar to answer the second question on what about a relationship? Like, how do you bring that up? How do you have that conversation? And the number one thing with the relationships is that likely like for most commonly the number one conversation about money, the number one like vibe is negative. It's like, why'd you spend that? Well, you said you weren't, why'd you get that coffee? You said you weren't going to do that. And conversations like that are like, oh my God, you like, you're going to do this. Or why aren't you working this? Or wait, you spent that. Or like, you shouldn't have spent that. Or like, oh my God, you're shopping too much. Like those are the conversations. Mm -hmm. And so why would anyone want to have those conversations? They suck, right? Like, I don't want to be nagged. I don't want somebody to tell me what I can and can't do. And so it's not about, oh, we need to do more of that. It's that we need to make money conversations fun. You, you know, and so I always encourage people to, when they're sitting down with their partner, especially if money conversations have been like a little rocky in the past, <laughs> sit down and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You know, I was looking at houses on Zillow and like, what do you think about this house? Like dream together about money. Like, wouldn't it be fun if we bought this or wouldn't it be fun if this and like start making money conversations fun to where the only time it's brought up, it's not negative mm -hmm. and celebrate your partner of like, oh my gosh, like, oh, I saw you bought this thing. Like, that's so cool. Like, show me, oh my gosh, do you love it? Like really celebrate it instead of shaming spending or shaming this, like celebrate those other things. They're like, man, let's get, let's get takeout. Like, you know, I want to spend this and I'm going to be so excited. And this is so fun. I love when we like spend money together and really make it a fun conversation. So then when you're also having those not so fun conversations of like, hey, I thought we planned that we were going to do this, but it looks like this is happening. Like it can be more of a like, what's going on? Let's, let's try to like figure out so we can do better next month instead of a, why are you doing this? You need to stop conversation. I feel like it's so important to have like that realistic end of the conversation, but also to like enjoy like the little things that come along with it or the fun goals and things that you can hit, which I feel like you talk about a lot. Um, I think that it'd be really cool for you to share a few tips that you personally used to get to where you are right now and that you give um, some of your clients just so that people who are listening have like a better understanding of like, it's not just, you know, you can, you, you can make money and have money and do whatever you want, but there's actual little things you can do to help you get to the next step. For sure. So I think number one is just caring about where you're at and getting real about where you're at. Um, most people are so worried and scared and feel so much shame about where they're at without even realizing where that is. Right. They're like, oh, I've, I've student loans. And I'm like, how much? And they're like, I don't know. I just, it's a lot. And they don't know the total or they don't know the amount of credit card or they don't know their credit card interest rate or they don't know this. And you know, the educational piece of where you're at is so empowering because you can't change things until you understand where you're at. And so the first thing that I tell people is just brain dump on a piece of paper or in a Google doc, where you're at, write down all of your debt, write down all of your income, write down how much you spend per month, write down all of that. And it doesn't have to be a shameful experience. It can be, okay, I'm getting real. Here's where I'm at. Now here's what I want to change a little bit. So that's number one. Um, the, the second thing is just hit some quick wins that can really make you feel good. So like negotiating is like one of my favorite things ever to do. And I negotiate literally everything. And it, it's one of those easy things where right away where you're like, I'm so stuck. I, I'm not seeing any progress where you can have a couple of quick wins and feel really good. So um, if you have credit card debt, negotiate your credit card interest rate today. Call your bank and say, you know, hey, here's my current credit card interest rate. I am looking at switching to a different lender. I'm looking at switching to, you know, whatever card. And I'd really like to stay with you. Is there anything you could do to lower my interest rate so I can stay a client of this bank? Nine times out of 10, they will say, absolutely, let me lower this for you. And Bada bing, bada boom in that conversation, you can save hundreds to thousands of dollars just for that. But also other things like 
your um, utilities or your cell phone bill or TV or whatever. And also just um, like Brie, we were just talking about that at wherever, like lunch or whatever the other day of what was it like TV or something? Yeah, like your TV and internet, like they will come back and tell you, oh, because this is what happened to me. So when I was moving, it was right about the same time that my like Wi-Fi and TV because they're clumped into one were going to be renewed and AT&T was going to increase my bill and I asked how much they were going to increase it to and I straight up said to them well well how much is it if I just do internet because there are so many streaming tv services and they told me and I was like okay well I think I'm just gonna go with the internet then because and then I said because I can get YouTube TV for however many dollars and I would be paying less than what you're offering me right now and it was like beep boop beep boop let me transfer you over to are special people that will make this magic happen. And they let me keep yeah. my same rate. And it literally was just me saying like, you, and you don't have to be like super, like a super shark about it. Like, no, you, well, you have to, you literally can just be like, thank you so much, like for your time. But I think like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why. And, and you never know truly until you try. And I think Ash, you and I have had good conversations about that. Cause it's like, Things you didn't even realize you could negotiate. Literally, the worst thing that's going to happen is they say no. Right. <laughs> it's literally the worst thing that happens. And then you're in the same spot you're currently in. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And I don't think I answered your, like, third thing. But the third thing that I would recommend to anyone who is, like, oh, I don't know, like, how do I get ahead with money? Or, like, what do I do? Or just, like, a tip to start yeah. is to just start adding a little bit of money conversation into your life. Like I can't tell you, I mean like three, five years ago, I was so scared to talk about money because I felt like such an idiot that if money was brought up, I would be like, ha ha, I'm a two year old and I have to leave. Like I was just like, get me out of here. I'm not talking about it. And just the small little things where like, I would start asking people like, oh, like I'm not kidding. Someone would like be at lunch or brunch and they'd pull out a credit card and I'd be like, Oh, what credit card do you use? Do you like it? And just like things like that, where they say, Oh, well, actually I don't like it. And I wish I wouldn't have gotten it because it has this fee and this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And you learn something or, um, something else where I'm at the, this actually happened to me. This happened to me last week. I was at the chiropractor and I, you know, got adjusted and then I went to leave and turned in my thing to like schedule another appointment. We did. And then she said, okay, you're, you know, $50 is your co-pay or whatever. And I said, oh, you know, I've hit my deductible. And she goes, oh no, we just ran your insurance. You haven't. And I said, no, I have hit my deductible. Could you rerun it? She's like, nope, we just, we just looked it up. And I'm like, I, I completely understand. And two years ago, I would have been like, I wouldn't even ask. I would have been like, I thought I hit it, but I guess not. Bye. And a year ago or two years ago, I would definitely not have like continued to assert myself and been like, no. And she was like, we literally just ran it. And I was like, could you please run it one more time? Because I just want to make sure that, you know, there's that, you know, I'm aware of like what's going on. Runs it again. I'd hit my deductible. I don't know anything for my copay. And I walked out and I was like, that is truly what I care about. Like I care so much about that confidence to where you are, you know, you're allowed to have those conversations and you feel confident having those conversations. And when somebody tells you, you owe something or a bill is this much or this, you don't just say, oh, okay, because I'm stupid and they must know more than me. And so I, I just have to accept it. But where you can question it, even if you're wrong, right? There's been times when I've said, wait, are you sure? And I've been wrong, but at least I know instead of leaving money on the table. And so even if, you know, whether that is speaking up a little bit more and having conversations, whether it's like reading a book about money or listening to a, a podcast, you know, like this, it talks about money or whatever, but just slowly adding those things into your day-to-day -day life to where money conversations don't seem so scary, that will increase your confidence around money so freaking much. Let's kind of talk a little bit about credit cards because credit cards is something that still, I feel like I can do so much research on. I can compare and go back and forth. And I feel like for me, I don't know, I don't know why, you know, what? it's probably just the lack of knowledge and um, not researching in the right places or not looking in the right places, but it always comes down to like the monthly maintenance fee for me. And I know that the maintenance fees for credit cards 
you know, it depends on what benefits you're getting back, where you're getting the reimbursements or the per percentage of cash back goes. But is there any way to negotiate maintenance fees or negotiate cash backs on certain credit cards or do certain credit cards benefit others depending on income? I mean, that might be a silly question to ask or, no. I mean, lack of knowledge again, but uh, I'm just curious on that. No, 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 totally. That's not a dumb question whatsoever. Um, the biggest thing with credit cards is the reason for why you're getting the credit card, right? Like there are some people who are like, well, I need a credit card because I have to have one. I'm like, well, why do you feel like you have to have one? And they'll say, well, because of my credit score. And I'm like, okay, is your reason for getting a credit card only because of your credit score? Or are you trying to also do other stuff, right? Are you trying to um, go in and try to get cash back points or are you trying to get rewards or take advantage of other stuff? And so if you are truly just trying to raise your credit score, one of the best things you can do is get the most basic credit card, one without a monthly maintenance fee, one without an annual charge, and one who it doesn't really matter if there's reward points or not, get a basic credit card um, and put a dollar on it at the end of the month, pay the dollar off. And that will literally raise your score like exponentially. It's, it's wild how quickly that will, um, raise your score. And that's because you are showing that your credit utilization rate is so low. Your credit utilization rate is so low. And, um, so that's what you can do if you're like, I'm just trying to raise my score. If you are trying to instead take advantage of cashback points and everything, the biggest thing that I recommend to people is to figure out what makes sense for you. Yes, you can negotiate. You can try to negotiate. Some will be like, absolutely. Some places will be like, absolutely not. I will, you know, I'm not going to um, like do anything for you, but um, you can still try. But if you are wanting to get like rewards and cash back or whatever, the biggest thing is just to make sure that it's worth it to you. And so literally you can calculate this, right? So like, I think for Delta, it's like the, one of their basic Delta credit cards is like a hundred dollars a month, but you get checked all of your check bags free. If you fly more than three times, right? Because $30 a flight that pays for itself. But what happens is I have a lot of credit or I have a lot of clients who are like, Oh, such a good deal. I got it. And I'm like, how often do you travel? And they're like, never, like maybe once a year. I'm like, it's not worth it. Why would you get that credit card? Right. It's like not worth it. Um, but again, and, and the, the kind of the problem, which our credit system, I have beef, I've, I've a lot of beef with the financial industry, but this is probably one of my biggest ones is that the, our industry incentivizes you to keep your cards open. And so if you open a credit card with a monthly fee or an annual fee, it's like, well, Sure, you got it. But if you close it, we're going to penalize you. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So then you're basically paying to keep your credit score. And it's like, this is so stupid. Yeah. And so a couple of things you can do if the card is worth it, you can keep the card, right? You can keep the card open. You can keep paying the monthly fee as long as it's worth it. And I love that you mentioned like salary. Does that matter? Because there's a lot of times where let's say you're, you know, a teacher making $30,000. It doesn't make sense for you to get the Amex Platinum card because you're not going to be making and spending enough to where your points back are is bigger than what you're going to be paying for that card, right? It doesn't make sense. And so making sure you're understanding and you can literally like do the math on paper. You can say, okay, here's what I'm going to spend per year. Truly like what I'm actually going to spend on this card. Then you can calculate of that. If I'm going to get 3% cash back, what is that 3% cash back? What's that total? is that greater or less than the monthly fee, the annual fee that I'm paying? And am I willing to continue to have this card? That's why one of the biggest things I recommend is that basic card for everyone just to get started because that will then be the longest card you have open. And if there's no annual fee and you're just putting a dollar on it every month, right? <laughs> um, when I first opened that card, I added my like 99 cent Apple um, like story oh, yeah. on there because... <laughs> I'm like always out of storage. And so it's like, I have to pay that anyway. And so it keeps the card open, right? You, if you just never spend on a card, it can, the card companies can close it. So it allows you to keep that card open, have that low balance on there, which will decrease your credit utilization and increase your credit score. Um, but, and then again, you're not thinking in 10 years, holy cow, I'm still paying this monthly maintenance fee. Right. And then you're just frustrated about it. So again, monthly maintenance fees aren't bad as long as 
you are spending enough to where it makes sense and you're getting the cash back. But what I also see a lot is people saying, well, I wasn't spending enough to get the cash back. So now I'm trying to spend more. And it's like, so you're spending more money than you were going to spend to get the points to make the maintenance. It's like, you know, they perpetuate this cycle on purpose, but you just have to be, you know, it's like the game, we can't change the game, right? Like, can we, is it, is my goal to dismantle our financial industry? Absolutely. But I can't do that today. (laughs) Until then, we just got to play the game, right? We got to play their game, but we can play it and win by like calculating all of that stuff before, you know, jumping into a card. I love that. I'll let me know when you want to start dismantling it. I will do whatever I can to help you. (laughs) Okay, cool. Cool. Let's do it. You've got, you've got your army started. I think that transitions really well into a question that would be beneficial not only for us, but people listening. What off the top of your head are like your top favorite apps or websites that you recommend people use, whether it's to stay on top of their budget, when it comes to saving, investing, all the things? Okay. I'm actually going to break my one rule and tell you guys this because I never tell people my favorite apps because... So many people rely on the apps. They're like, oh, this is Chloe's app. They're just their favorite. They download it and they're like, no, budgeting still doesn't work for me. And it's like an app won't fix it. <laughs> like an app literally won't fix it. Whatever app I tell you, if you can't do a budget on a piece of paper, you can't do it on an app, right? Like, I, can, I cannot do it on an app. I have to do it on paper. I've I tried like- the apps. They don't work for yeah. me. So an app is an amplifier. If what you're doing, if it works for you, the app can make it a better um, experience if you like apps, but honestly, it doesn't fix it. So do not, I always have people do this. If I tell them an app, they'll be like, oh, it still doesn't work. My butt. I'm like, it's not the app. You're like, it's you. Like, I love you, but it's you. Um, so this is, this is my, like, uh, my, my warning that comes with it. So the app that I really like personally is called Sensibly. And so it links, it's free, it links everything. And I really like it because a lot of those apps don't link investment accounts and like your, you know, brokerage accounts and stuff. And it links everything for me. It links my retirement accounts. It links my like taxable brokerage accounts. It links my checking account. It links PayPal. It links everything. And so it's so nice to be able to have that in one place just to like see what's popping. See, you know, I focus a lot on like net worth of, you know, all of your assets minus your liabilities. What is that total? Right. And so that's always a goal of mine of like, okay, how are things going? And so to have everything in one place makes it so easy. So I really like it. Um, it does have that kind of like budgeting tool. I'm, I'm not like a big budgeter. I do think you, I I call it a spend plan. I I literally plan out my spending. Budgeting sounds restricting and like, you can't do this. And I don't believe in that. I'm going to, I want to spend what I want to. Um, but it allows you to kind of see, and it's just eye-opening. Like it'll say, Hey, you've spent, you know, $500 on eating out last month. And I'm like, okay, cool. It'll just give you an idea of like where you're at in different categories, which I like. So that's probably my favorite, like overall money app that I would recommend. I mean, a couple of the other ones, I mean, I'm a big like cash app. I like, so obviously I use Venmo for like paying my friends, right? Pay my friends to use Venmo, but I use cash app and here's how I use cash app. I, the only thing I use cash app for is to download their free debit card. And then I will load that with a category of my spending. You can also apply the same category to a credit card or to something else. I just like the, um, cash app style. And this is also great in like marriages too. And I'll talk about what that looks like in a second, but basically, um, you know, everyone for the most part usually has that one category that they're like, Oh my God, my bad habit, right? Shopping or like, ordering takeout or whatever. Like everyone has, I don't believe in bad habits, but you know what I'm saying? So, um, whatever that is, whatever that category is, that is the thing that you are going to decide how much you want to spend. So the first thing I make my clients do is tell me realistically how much you spend in that category the last three months. Tell me realistically. They're like, Oh, I spent about this. I'm like, no, you didn't add it up. Literally go through your (laughs) bank account and add it up for me. And they're like, Holy titties, right? Like that was a lot more than I thought. And they'll write it down. And so they'll, they'll get a realistic number. And then I'll say, you know, let's think about like Goldilocks and the three bears. Foxes? Is it bears? What is that? I don't even know. Dog shit analogy. Yeah. I apologize. No, it's but bears. So, it is Goldilocks is and the that? three bears. <laughs> okay, cool. It's bears. It's bears. Thank you for my fact checkers. 
So in Goldilocks, this could also be wrong now because I don't even know if it's a three bears. But Goldilocks looks at whatever the porridge or whatever it is, and she says, or the bed, I don't know. And she says, it's too big, it's too little, or it's just right. That's all you do. You look at how much you spent and you say, there's no shame, there's no guilt. It literally is going into next month. Do I want to spend more, spend less, or is that the amount I want to spend? Once you have that number, cool. You literally, on the first of every month, transfer, let's say it's $500. You transfer $500 and load your cash app count. And then that debit card has $500 on it. So you go shop, you go do whatever. And instead of being like, I wonder how much I've spent on my budget. Let me go through my statements and add it up. Instead, you open up your cash app card and it says, oh, okay, I have $410 left. And you immediately know you don't have to think about it. You don't have to overanalyze. But at any time throughout the month, you just know where you are. That is like my favorite thing ever because then there's no restriction. There's no like, you know, weird. I'm just aware of it. So, um, you know, that's one of my really favorite apps for that. And then when it comes to applying that for relationships, let's say like, you know, you're married and it's like you have joint accounts. So it's like, oh, why'd you spend this on Starbucks? Why'd you buy this? Instead, you agree on a total per person. Okay. Maybe like think like haircuts and shopping and whatever, like anything that's not the two of you spending it, you decide what is that amount going to be. And at the first of the month, you transfer each of that to your own cards and then you spend that throughout the month. You don't have to justify the purchase. You don't have to explain it. It's, it's yours. And so there's no, there's no, this arguing of like, why'd you spend that? Because it's not the, the conjoined pot. It's literally your pre like set aside amounts. And so you can feel really good about it. And there's just that kind of like sense of like freedom and, and not like that confusing. And the nice thing is that it turns shopping or eating out from this like, oh, well, it could be 300. It could be 900. I have no idea into this standard amount where you can plan for it every single month, just like rent, just like, um, you know, other bills. It's a standard amount. So you know how to plan for it. So that's one of my favorite like tips. But those are like really my only two. I mean, other than that, I definitely do. I'm a freak for my online banking. Like I just, I love it. I have like PayPal, Stripe, because I use that for business. I have like my investing stuff on there. But other than that, I mean, I keep it pretty simple. I don't even, I barely even use that sensibly app. Like for budgeting, I really just use it to like look at all my accounts in one place. But yeah, that's it. I like to keep it simple. I like to keep it fun. The Cash App card truly changed it's, I think it's one of the pivotal moments in my relationship with money because it helped me get realistic about how much I was spending. Now I like pre-plan when I'm going to shop. I mean, every once in a while I'll buy things, you know, but for the most part I pre-plan and, but every single month, like I have like a fun budget and that includes like pretty much like going out to eat and getting drinks with my friends. And I finally have found like a sweet spot and the beginning of every month, I just transfer that amount into my cash app. And now I'm to the point that I'm like, especially during quarantine, like not spending all of it. So then it's like, yes, I get to take the extra money and I get to put it into this account so I can save it for retirement. (laughs) Like, but I feel so good. It like just it. It makes it from this like, oh my God, I need to stop spending money on shopping and this. It takes it from that into this place of like, cool, I allocated this for whatever this thing is. I get to spend it. I get to feel really good. I don't have to Mm -hmm. feel bad about it. And it also, and like, I'm so glad you said that because the biggest thing that it does is it allows you to find alignment. Before I, you know, when I was in this state of like idolizing frugality, Anytime I allocated something, I spent all of it. I was like, I have $20 to spend. I have to spend it because spending is so good and I never get to spend. Whereas now I truly, when I'm going shopping or doing something, it's like, am I obsessed with this thing? If not, I'm not going to buy it. Like if I'm obsessed with it and I love it and I'm so happy about it, I'm going to buy it. And if I'm not, I'm not. Um, Or if I buy something, I'll return it 100%. Like I used to be like, well, I already got it and, you know, it was already shipped here and now I, you know, have, I don't want to do this. I don't want to send it back and I have to pay for shipping. So I just wouldn't. And then it would just be clutter. And Brie knows this more than anyone else. I've been working (laughs) so hard to purge my closet. I've been like taking notes from Brie every single day and really working hard to get my closet down to things that I'm only things I'm obsessed with. And I've been so proud of myself because I've been adding 
stapled pieces that are approved by Brie, of course. Um, <laughs> but also, I've only been adding pieces that I'm like, I love this. Whereas before I would add pieces that I was like, I don't know, maybe I could wear this if there was a theme party for this on, you know, in two years. Whereas like, that's not, you know, it's not sustainable. And so getting in that groove of like, I truly only buy things when I want to and not because I'm like filling this void for any reason that has allowed spending in general and just money in general to feel so light and easy instead of this like big, dark, heavy topic. I love when you talk about spending in alignment because I think it's something that people don't even realize is like a thing. And Kayla, you've actually started talking about it a lot in the last couple of years. And I mean, it takes a while to learn it and understand like yourself. It truly is a lot to do with getting to know yourself. But that's something we talk about on this podcast a lot is like, how can I be more in tune with who I am, what I believe in, what I desire? And Money plays a pivotal role in all of our lives, no matter what. Like I say to my clients when it comes to fashion and style, like, yeah, it can seem materialistic to some people, but at the end of the day, you have to wake up every single morning and get ready and present yourself. And just like that, money will always be here. It will always be a part of your life, no matter what. So like, why wouldn't you want to create a really healthy relationship with that? Like, instead of thinking as this, scary thing to talk about and I've even been able to you know instate that into like my mom and who she was raised in a home where you don't talk about it and you try to be frugal and save money and I'm like no actually like you you can still live a really fulfilling life while also like paying off your mortgage like it doesn't have to be one or the other you can do both and you can be happy and like she talks about money so open, openly with me now. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, my I God. My that. parents are the same way, too. Like, when I first started doing this, it was so weird for my parents. The fact that I, even when I, like, the first post I ever made about money was, like, I'm debt-free. I paid off this. And my, like, they were proud of me, but I could tell, like, underneath it, they were mortified that I was, like, talking about money openly. And even, like, my sweet grandma was, like, why would you post that on the internet? Like, no, nobody needs to know about your business, right? And I was like, okay, you know, you like, okay, just, you know, wait and see, wait and see. And so now it's so fun that like money is such a, a more of an open topic in my house. And like, I mean, I'm very, I mean, with, with people close to me, not with like, I, like I wouldn't make somebody uncomfortable, but like right. all the time, like with our friends or something, like I don't, the other day we were, I don't know if we were getting drinks or something. And I was like, oh, what did you pay for that to, to one of our friends? And he was like, oh, this. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I just, and, and they can tell me no, like they can say, oh, I don't want to share that, but I'm very open with money. And so I know it makes my parents uncomfortable, but one of my favorite things about, and I'm glad you brought that up is because that what's so cool about money stuff is that your money beliefs are passed down to you, right? So like my parents passed down money beliefs to me, their parents passed down money beliefs from them. And so there's this generational cycles that are being passed down to you. And there are some things I want to keep, right? Like my parents gave me so many amazing beliefs about myself and about other people and how to treat people that I love, that I'm I'm so glad they passed down to me. But there are also beliefs, especially about money, where I'm like, whoa, I don't want that, right? I don't want that. And so often people will think like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy or like, this is really hard to work through this. And it's like, well, yeah, because this is reigning in your family for generations. Right. One of my like favorite phrases, I don't know where this comes from, but is it ran in my family until it ran into me. And it's like, you know, poverty or like struggling or this idea of money stressful or like whatever, like that ran in my family until it ran to me. And so, you know, I tell my clients a lot of like, when it feels heavy, literally think of like you holding a shield from all these like generational things that are pushing up against you that are like, we're supposed to make her feel stressed about money all the time. And you're just like, no, right? Like, <laughs> no, I want to change. And it's so cool because you're, I mean, if you, you know, if, if you're someone who chooses to want to have kids someday, and even if you don't, I'm sure you'll have kids, your friend's kids or nieces or nephews who look up to you in some capacity that you, that you're able to change how they grow up and believe to be true about money. And at the same time, you're turning around to like healing past generational things. You're healing, you're helping your parents heal. You're helping like heal that like lineage. It's so, it's just so deep and so freaking cool. And I know it can feel heavy, but it's heavy because it's good work. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's always hard at first and then it gets easier. Like just like Mm -hmm. with anything you struggle with, 
you know, it's hard to open up and talk about it at first, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. You're truly changing lives and it's beautiful as your best friend to watch. And I know, I know it's, I don't know. I probably don't tell you enough. I mean, I tell you all the time how impactful you are to me, Stop, but like, cry. don't cry. <laughs> you know but how you emotional really- I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you seriously are like, it's so incredible to watch. And if you aren't following Chloe on Instagram or listening to her podcast, you should. You can find her at, at deeper.than.money. <laughs> and we'll tag her and everything. But if somebody is listening and they want to talk with you more, they want to dive in, like what would be – is there a starting point within your business for newcomers? And which program would they start with? For sure. So honestly, one of the biggest things that we are running up and coming is we are doing our $1,000 challenge. And it's a free challenge where we show you how to save $1,000 in three days. And so that's where a lot of people start because it gives you those quick wins of really tangible things of what can I implement today in order to literally save $1,000 in three days. And so that's where a lot of people start. Because once you go through that, we also help funnel you of, are you looking for more help in this department? Are you looking in more help for this department? Do you want more free resources? Do you want higher level support? And kind of show you those different programs. So that's definitely a great option. Um, A lot of people are like, screw it. I don't want a free challenge. I'm like all in. I I need the (laughs) transformation. I need the full package. And then I would definitely go apply for Wealth Accelerator. You can find it on our website. But what's really nice about that is, We have an application process and after the written application, then you talk with a member of my team and they'll help you determine, is it a good fit for you? And if it's not, they'll point you in the direction of, you know, maybe something else that could be a better fit for you. So it's a really holistic process. And we just want to make sure that everyone who's going into it is at a place where it makes sense for them. So those are the the best ways. And, and honestly, if you're interested in doing something, but you don't know where to start, just go like go over to hang out with us on Instagram or, you know, we have a Facebook group where you can just start asking questions because our our biggest, we put out so much free content where we just want you to start, right? Like sometimes it can be overwhelming of like this or that or this. It's like, I don't care what it is, just start something and you'll start to gain confidence and then you can kind of figure out what those next steps are. But thank you for asking that. Yeah, of course. You have covered so many topics already just in this episode, but I think people will really get a lot out of what you're what you're doing um it's super inspiring it's something that needs to be talked about and something that our generation really needs help with so um everyone definitely go give chloe a follow we love you chloe you're the best we'll hopefully have you on here again soon you guys thanks for having me this is so fun i literally i'm like can we do this like weekly just like for hang real. out like every like hang week? Can I just like insert myself in your best friendship? Because I'm in, baby. I love You're it. You're already in yeah. it. Absolutely. You're in. Seriously. I love it. But seriously, you guys, this this podcast is like the like people aren't ready. You know what I mean? People are not ready. <laughs> they're not they're, they're, they're not, not ready. They're not ready. They're not. Like they're not ready. Like they have no clue. And so I'm I'm not only honored to be here, but I'm also honored to like see this from the beginning. Actually, Bree told me about this like two years ago. And I was like, that's so cool. And so I feel like very, very in it from the get go. Um, But to just see it grow and like, I can't even imagine where this is going to be in like a year, five years. So I'm so I'm honored that you guys had me on. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hopefully. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would truly appreciate it if you would take the time to like, rate, and subscribe. Thanks again for hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time on Hopefully.